0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD, and Attention Coach Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, when ADHD and autism coincide. Yikes. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show. Um, and write down the secret word of that show, and then just email me the, the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show.
1: Women diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood are more likely to have depression, be stressed, and have low self-esteem. It's recommended they talk to a professional to develop better life and stress management strategies. But here are some tips. Identify the sources of stress and make changes. Develop healthy self-care habits, such as getting adequate sleep, exercise, and good nutrition. To learn more about ADHD in women, visit chad.org.
0: Uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community, and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Jan, can you introduce our guest?
2: Uh, Yes, Jeff. We're very happy to have Elaine Taylor-Kloss with us today. For over a decade, Elaine struggled as a mom in an ADHD++ family of five. But after she discovered that a coach approach dramatically helped her and her entire family, she co-founded ImpactADHD.com, the first ever virtual parent coaching support organization for parents of complex kids. In 2020, ImpactADHD expanded to become ImpactParents.com. Elaine has served as a parent advisor for the American Academy of Pediatrics, and she's on the National Board of Directors of CHAD. In addition to serving as CEO of Impact Parents and providing private coaching for adults worldwide, Elaine is the co-host of the Parenting with Impact podcast. She's a frequent contributor to Attitude and Attention magazines and is co-author of Parenting ADHD Now, Easy Intervention Strategies to Empower Kids with ADHD, as well as the 2020 number one new release, The Essential Guide to Raising Complex Kids with ADHD, Anxiety and More. So, Jeff, we're very happy to have Elaine with us today. Elaine, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here.
0: I always love having you on, particularly today, because um, I've, I've talked to people a little bit about this, but I really don't have a lot of working knowledge because I haven't really coached anybody uh, that had autism and ADHD at the same time. And so uh, when they coincide, our, t- our t- title today is, is ADHD and autism when they coincide, yikes. So, just help us out here. Let's just kind of talk about this situation. Um, let's start with kind of just the, the, the idea of the two of them can coexist, and we'll go from there.
1: So, um, so I want to start by by with a disclaimer by saying I am by no means an expert on autism, mm-hmm.
0: um,
1: but and I have actually just brought some people onto my team who are because there's so much of it in my community. And I I do, I work with a lot of parents of kids with all kinds of complex issues, including autism and ADHD, Um, and there is definitely a nuance in each of these conditions. There's always a a deeper level of knowledge, and and so I I just want to start by saying I do not see myself as an expert on autism, and I've worked with a lot, and and that's because there's so much overlap in our community, and Mm -hmm. so... So to your question, like in the early days, so autism started being identified and really recognized and rising in awareness in the 80s and 90s. And and it entered the BSM, I'm not going to get the numbers right, but sometime in the early 90s. And um, that's the diagnostic statistic manual for, for physicians to actually diagnose mm-hmm. autism. and um, And until, you know, decade plus, of, of our awareness and working with the autism diagnosis, there was a delineation that said people had to be either ADHD or autistic, but they couldn't be diagnosed with both. So, you know, when I look back when my kids were little in the, in the late 90s and the early 2000s, if you had a kid who was, who was kind of really uber quirky and on that line, you know, on, a, on the spectrum of the spectrum, you had to make a choice. It was one or the other, but it wasn't both. That changed in 2013 when the new diagnostic statistics manual, the new DSM, came out. And for the first time, they said, okay, docs, now you can diagnose both ADHD and autism, ASD, together. Now, the good news was it opened up the ability to, to, to see these kids, and the statistics are really high about the overlap. Um, So the good news is it helped us begin to really get a better understanding of what what was going on with with these kids. And now we're seeing it in adults as well. The bad news is that when they did that, they took away a diagnosis called Asperger's syndrome. And they they, all of it under the category of ASD, autism spectrum disorder. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at, um, tell me when you need me to stop and slow down because I know I'm just kind of,
0: no, it's good. Like, You're good so far. I'm just was,
1: okay. Um, okay, so 2013, we no longer have Asperger's syndrome. Asperger's syndrome was what was identified. It was usually high IQ kid people on the spectrum who were not so. So, like, I think 60 70 percent of people on the autism spectrum, 50 to 60, something like that. Um, One of the markers is actually not a high IQ, but a lower IQ. There was this whole category of kids who were super, super high IQ, who were still struggling with a lot of other issues similar that that on the autism spectrum. And so there was a diagnosis called Asperger syndrome that tended to be those smart, quirky um, kids who who had who were distinct. From other aspects of autism, because they often didn't have verbal problem processing problems, they were verbal. Sometimes they were able to look people in the eyes. I mean, there were a lot of things that that dis, distanced them from the autism community, but it was still considered a, kind of in that realm of mm-hmm. autism. Um, probably in those days, incorrectly identified it, as it may have been. People may have seen it as autism light, and that's not a mm-hmm. that's not an accurate description. But I think that's how people saw it. Mm-hmm. So 2013, the DSM comes along and changes it and says, okay, yes, you can have both ADHD and autism, but no, there's no longer Asperger's. Now aut- all autism is autism. For some people in the autism community, that was like, yay. But for the people who are dealing with this high IQ, and then there's this other term, low functioning, and I don't, I mean, that, that's going to take us down another rabbit hole. So we can come back there if you want, mm. but um when you were dealing with this this high IQ aspect of the population, they they kind of got lost in the ASD diagnosis and, and there was a real absence of how do we support this percentage of the population, which is probably, you know, thirty to forty percent of the population. So it's smaller, but it's still significant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the book I wanted, the, the work I want to point to where I get I'm getting a lot of the data this is the work of Dr. Thomas Brown, Thomas E. Brown, who's mm-hmm. was originally at Yale, now he's in California. And um, he wrote, he came out with some research. He wrote a book that came out in 2021 called ADHD and Asperger Syndrome in Smart Kids and Adults. And it's an extraordinarily good book. It's, it's very, it's kind of clinical, but it's, you can read it as a layperson. Mhm and it explains all different ways that, that we're now beginning to see autism show up when it coexists with ADHD specifically in this high IQ um aspect of of ASD these what he would say we need to reclaim the term Asperger
0: Mhm
1: and there's a whole bunch of controversy about Asperger because you know there's a there's there's pretty clear evidence that he was probably a Nazi and so nobody wants to use the term and <laughs> so there's a whole bunch of politics around yeah. it as well. <laughs> but, but the bottom line is, yes, you can have ADHD and autism. And very often when you do, you've got what we would call high-functioning autism, is what it became in, after 2013. Some people would call it Asperger. And so you've got this super high IQ, often a true gift in some particular area but low executive function and, and sometimes limited capacity to self-actualize and, and organize and all the things that we struggle with with, with ADHD. Mm-hmm. you got social skills issues in both. You've got a, a bunch of issues that overlap in both. Mm-hmm. But but you've got this big audience of, of kids we're beginning to see who who really do have both. And some of the treatment is the same. Some of the treatment is different. But understanding the nuances is really helpful.
0: Yes. So it, the, what I think is important here, and everybody, one reason why I have you on the show is that you you specialize in helping parents with complex kids. And yeah. this is complex. Complex <laughs> because you've got so many variables around that you're trying to understand these nuances. And part of the show is really to bring awareness to the complexity of what's going on to give you a sense of what's happening. Because it seems to me that this is uh, – you know, this whole thing, when you see one person with ADHD, you have seen one person with ADHD, and it's all different. Right. As much as everybody likes to think it's the same, you throw these things in here, it gets infinitely more complicated, and, and as a parent or even, you know, an adult, you have to really do your homework on this, right? I mean, it's 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 sure. it's
1: difficult. Well, there's the information, and then there's the behavior, the management. So, yeah, on yeah, the two absolutely. levels, you need to do your homework. Yeah, so let's let's go a little bit deeper on this,
0: but before, I want to kind of have some runway to go on. Let's run to break real quick, and then when we come back, we can dive in a little bit deeper. So, everybody, our secret word tonight is um, coincide. Um, Please check out uh, Elaine's website, impactparents.com. There's a lot of great information there. I do a lot of referring to people. I'll get people like, can you coach my teen and stuff like that. I always send them over to her. They do really, really good stuff. So, again, it's impactparents.com, actually forward slash attention. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by com.
2: And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Hey
0: everyone, welcome back. We're here with Lane Taylor-Closs, uh, expert in helping parents with complex kids, and we're talking about really complex kids. You know, reflecting back at the beginning of the show, the, the, you know, the changing definitions and the changing DSM just, I think, gives everybody an idea how, you know, we'd like to know we know a lot about this stuff, but we're still learning a lot about this stuff, and that's mm-hmm. why it's, it's real complicated, sure. so... Understanding all this, tell us a little bit more about, like, when you're working with parents, like, because you're very process-driven. Like, you guys, I know that you, you, you like, let's isolate some things and let's work on some stuff. But in, in a general rule, how do you help parents work with um, complex kids with these disorders?
1: Well, would you mind if I answer a different question first?
0: Yeah, please, please.
1: Um because, because I think here's what I want people to understand. So, so let me tell you why I'm I'm here talking to you it. As you say, I work with parents of complex kids, and often I I work with parents of super complex kids. Because very often, the, sadly, the physicians, the docs, the therapists don't refer until things are really at a rough point. And you know, well, I wish everybody would start behavior training early because that's when it's a lot easier to do. So very often, I I get the really complex cases, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's fine because my eldest kid was a really complex case, and so that was part of why I think I got into this work is because I had a kid who in hindsight had all these different issues, but we didn't know it because when they were eight, we had to choose between ADHD or
2: autism,
1: right? So <laughs> there wasn't a choice to do yep. both. So you had to treat one or the other, and so we went the, a- the ADHD route, which is, you know, what landed me where I did. But, but what I think is really important is that I began to notice Over the years, I would see these other kids who were super quirky, who were who were super complex. Who there were so many different things going on. Sometimes there was an underlying metabolic. We're often like with our therapist when there were so many things going on, and I went to her and I said, "Where do I start?" She said, "Start with the metabolic, because there was there's often an underlying thing going on, particularly in the in the autism community. You very often see impact improvement when." you look at food ins- issues or some food sensitivities, not that it's a panacea, but sometimes if you just lift the toxic load, you take away metals, you take away tox- you know, foods that are irritants, it can help mm-hmm. to begin to improve treatment. So I was watching this pattern over the years of, of all of these, you know, there's certain people I've been working with with just super quirky kids and it's just getting in, it just was a different level. It wasn't just ADHD. It was just more, and mm-hmm. you just couldn't put your finger on it. And then after I started reading Dr. Brown's work, I started mapping over what I was seeing in my practice to what I was reading in his book. And I started looking at it, and I started identifying uh, at least a half a dozen clients I was working with who had young to mid, mid-teen mid daughters who were sometimes even younger than that who were having this, this kind of common series of symptoms in a, who had been diagnosed with either ADHD and, and more or just ADHD and were tended to be treatment treated for one thing, either OCD or ADHD or anxiety or something. But there was this deeper level. And when I started looking at it, I saw the pattern. All of these girls had the same thing going on. And I started sending their parents back and saying, can you go back? Let's, let's reevaluate now. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these kids had been diagnosed before 2013 or right around them. And so I started sending them back to, the, to therapists for reevaluation or to the doctors, and they were all coming back with ASD or autism diagnosis. Mhm. And it was fascinating, right? Because I was seeing the pattern, because there was just enough in my practice, and that's who tends to come to me, that very often and, and I'm only talking about the girls, there's a whole other category of, of boys but they manifest a little differently, just like they do with ADHD. And, um, and so in the girls, I was seeing multiple diagnoses that didn't really explain the behaviors. Um, treatment from a very early age, a uh, lot of complicated issues in the family, most often sleep issues, some kind of sleep, whether it's kid not going to sleep, sleep, not sleep kid not sleeping on their own. Um, very often, you had a parent who was sleeping in the room with the child. Um, mm. Kid might might have been. Uh, sometimes they were what I call wanderers. They were kids who would just wander away from a camp or wander away from a classroom if they got overstimulated. Wow. Um, a lot of social connection issues. A lot of you know social dynamic issues. Um, sometimes resistant to treatment. Uh, you know, as they got older, they got into re- refusing to do schoolwork. And it's, you know, with most of these kids, it's not that they're not bright enough, but the expectations are so out of sync with their ability to feel in control of it that they've shut down. So mm-hmm. I was beginning to see these patterns sending the kids back. They're getting diagnosed with autism. They're coming back. And we're, the behavior management training isn't treatment for them isn't that different. But one of the things Dr. Brown points out is their metabol- their metabolic uptake is different. And so these kids may actually need lower doses of medication instead of higher doses of medication, for example. Um, and, again, that's wow. out of my realm. That's in the medical yep. realm. But but the nuances for how you treat are slightly different. The beauty of, of kids on the spectrum is that they – tend to learn well. They tend to learn social cues. You can tend to teach them because they mask so well. The mm-hmm. challenge with, this, with the ADHD kids is that it's a little harder for them to learn and map those skills because they've got distractibility and impulsivity on top of it. Mm-hmm. So, so all of that is to say that, that there's this nuance to working with these kids that's the same but different. But, if you understand it, you can begin to to really lighten the load and help them manage it. and And you can take the stress off the parent, because, as a parent, I can tell you, don't know what's going on with your kid, and you live with this constant kind of feeling of inconclusive diagnosis. Mm-hmm. it's It's incredibly stressful. There's constantly the sense that I'm missing something, I'm missing something, I'm doing something wrong. And, and it creates additional burden for the parent. So when you can begin to see the full context and say, oh, that's what's going on. This kid has got both autism and ADHD. It doesn't change that much about what you do, but from a parent perspective, it, it lightens the burden of not knowing significantly. I mean, to such an extent, I actually went back and found a client of mine from almost 10 years ago and called her up and said, you know, just check it in all these years. Because <laughs> I knew, based on what I'd done this year, I knew that that kid that I'd worked with 10 years ago, that that wow. mom, that, and so I'm like, so where is she? She's in college. She, she starts telling me what's going on. I mean, it was classic. It was everything I was seeing with these other kids. Wow. Social issues, roommate issues, you know, acting out sexually, all kinds of other stuff. You know, and so I'm kind of carefully saying to this woman 10 years later, so have you considered, and you know, getting reevaluated? <laughs> I was like well, that would make sense. Her uncle has autism. Her dad, you know, it's like yeah, duh, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, it's kind of starting to click. Wow. Um, yeah. it Kind of th- two things kind of come to mind. One is uh, I, I remember we were doing a presentation um, back in 2010 on um, similar is not same. Similar is different. And I say that because say same is same. Similar is different. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. there might be small differences, but those small differences are a big difference if you look at it. And then the other one, um, Dr. Uh, David Teplin told me, you know, it's hard to treat something if you don't really know what you're treating. And sometimes it it doesn't solve everything, but just knowing what you're dealing with reduces a lot of the anxiety because at least you can explain it and you kind of understand what's going on. Other than that, it's just every day you wake up and something random happened that you can't bring logic to it. And emotionally, that can just be challenging for a period of time. But it's just like people get the diagnosis of ADHD and like, oh, that explains it. There's a certain calm that comes when that happens. Make sense?
1: Uh, totally. When, when parents <laughs> call me and say my kid was diagnosed with X, Y, my answer is always congratulations because now you know what you're dealing with. Now Absolutely. you can start to do something about it. And, and, you know, very often parents will say, well, I don't want to label my kid. I don't. Well, here's what happens if you don't, quote, label your kid. They will make up something a whole lot worse than what the truth is. They will make up that they're lazy, crazy or stupid. Yep. So if you give them an explanation for what's going on and why they're struggling – they can do something with that. Yes. But if, you, yes. if they just feel lazy, crazy, or stupid, I, you know, and I speak as someone who was raised without a diagnosis, I thought for, you know, decades that I was really stupid and everybody else just didn't know the truth.
0: hmm Yes. Tell you what, I want to go into that a little bit, just a little bit further, but I, I want to, again, okay. I don't want to interrupt myself, so let's go to break real quick. Everybody, our secret word tonight is coincide. Again, coincide, and again, Check out Elaine's website at impactparents.com forward slash attention. Again, that's impactparents.com forward slash attention. With that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Elaine Taylor-Kloss learning a lot about uh, complex kids. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about labels, and I just want to kind of outline that a little bit. Um, Labels are a love-hate thing. Sometimes you got to label it to, you know, get accommodations or to explain what's going on. It's really helpful. The problem with labels is when you label something people quit paying attention to it. They quit noticing the nuances and the differences. But to what you had said, if you don't label something, somebody else is going to label it because our brain likes to solve mysteries and the 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 lazy, crazy or stupid label is something that's there. So it's it's a, just a tricky business um, dealing with labels. Like I said, you love them and you hate them, but you just have to manage them appropriately and we go back to You know, if you understand what you're dealing with emotionally, it's a hell of a lot easier. And then practically there is too, because then you can actually look for the nuances and actually deal with those. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of highlight that. So there are there are differences. Um tell us about your experience with some of that stuff and how you work with parents and maybe a little bit of some of those differences and how they might manifest and how you might deal with them.
1: Well, so you know, again, some of the differences are quite similar. What we're really dealing with it's not as much about differences as it is about compounding. So if you can mm. take a really complex kid with ADHD, right? So a kid who's got impulsivity and organization and distractibility and maybe hyperactivity and emotional dysregulation, right? Let's just look mm-hmm. at a classic ADHD kid, right? Textbook, yep. you look at their picture in the dictionary, it says ADHD. Yep. Well, now you're, well, you add ASD, now you're compounding it. Okay, so not only do you have all of that with ADHD, but now you've got, and in my experience, I think, you know, this, this is not a scientific piece, but at some point we're going to see a strong correlation between ASD and and, and anxiety in the mm. future. And so now you've got this, this sensory anxious overlay to the ADHD. So now not only am I impulsive and distracted, etc., but I'm anxious as hell about it. And I'm overwhelmed by the environment I'm in, and I'm, and it's even easier for me to shut or to explode. Mm-hmm. My fuse is shorter. My threshold for tolerating is even shorter. And you know, kids with ADHD already have short frustration tolerance, right? Mm-hmm. So when you add the autism to it, what I see most often, and again, this is just from my experience and practice of just you know, work with thousands of parents with these kinds of uh, coexisting issues, what you're seeing is, an, is an, um, an added layer of stress and struggle for the child and therefore for the parent. Mm-hmm. So you've got more erratic and unpredictable behavior, more volatility in, in mood swings, mm-hmm. more struggling with, with social skills, mm-hmm. even more school or friend-related issues. There, there's a punctiliousness I mean, maybe that's the wrong word but there's a um there's a heightened sense of everything when you add the autism to the ADHD it's complicated a
0: lot i'm having a little bit of a flashback i did a a, a bit of a show with dr sarah shayet on this years ago and we started talking mm-hmm. about little things like anxiety so somebody with um with uh, autism might have some anxiety over some type of environmental sensitivity to something whereas somebody with ADHD like I've talked about how um, anxiety often is, is can be the men- physical manifestation of worry. And if your working memory is impaired and you can't remember everything you're supposed to remember, but you remember it and you forget it, then you have evidence that you're forgetting. So you worry about what you're forgetting, and so that can get you to overwhelm. You have anxiety that's showing up, but they can come from very different places. Or if, exactly. if you've got somebody with both, they're coming from two different places. And to make that realization, I don't think there's a, like a wand or a, a, a magic Tip trick that's going to do this, but just that awareness can help you understand the situations, see like the slight differences because there can be situational. There. The anxiety in this situation is this. The anxiety in this situation is that, and and well, really kind of better
1: problem solve for it. So so here's here's what I would add. I was I was listening to the work of Muzira um, Yal. I think is his name. Uh, he wrote a book called Indistractable, and he was talking about some research on distractibility, and he's sa- talking about in the workplace they have proven that there's a causal relationship between um, the, for people developing anxiety and depression when they're in a workplace environment with two conditions high expectations and low control. Okay? Oh, okay. So a lot of right a lot of what happens in the ADHD community is we start off with ADHD, then we end up with anxiety and depression. And very often, it's not that we're independently wired for the uh, anxiety and depression. It comes about as a result of, of high expectations and low control. If you can't get yourself to do what you want you to get yourself to do, it's going to make you anxious and, and then eventually depressed. That happens in the ADD brain. Mm-hmm. When you have a brain with autism on top of that, that, that anxiety is differently wired. Mm-hmm. It's a, and it's often sensory related. So it's not coming from necessarily from, I can't control this, but it's more a, this is overwhelming me. This environment is more than I can, I can tolerate. Mm. Um, One of the things that got me into starting to look at autism, you know, a dozen years ago was I discovered a a diagnosis that exists in the UK that does not exist in the US. And... It, it came out of some autism research and it's called pathological demand avoidance syndrome. So it's it's in the autism realm, it looks a lot like anxiety, and um it's it's classically this kid will bite their nose to spite their face. We'll do anything, will say no just because you said yes. Wow. And it's a it's a kinda of overwhelming and the reason I discovered it is because I felt pretty clear that one of my kids had it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they agreed with me. And, um, but, it, so I actually interviewed somebody on my podcast about it recently out of Australia. It was fascinating. Um, but there is a workbook. There's a little bit of data on it now, a little bit more um, PDAS. It, and again, it doesn't even exist in the U.S., mm. but it shows you that. That correlation, there's there's something that's happening between autism and anxiety and reactivity and con- there's again there's another control piece here, but I think it tends to be a little bit more, a little bit more sensory related. But I really, I mean, that's just an experiential, the world according to Elaine. I don't know what the research is going to bear out over time. Wow. So, um, <laughs> I know it's a lot, it's a whole I, lot, well, no, I, I, no
0: it's, it is, but I, looking at time here, we don't have a lot of time left. I want to kind of pull this thing together. So one of the things that is, is kind of the, the good news is, is we can, we can understand both of them can exist. You're a better situation to understand a lot that's going on. That's kind of the good news. The bad news is we're still struggling to find people who are well-versed that can help you when you have somebody with these conditions. Just like, you know, every once in a while, I'll get somebody with ADHD and bipolar. And, or even to get the diagnosis of somebody who understands to discern those two, there's a limited yeah. number of mental health professionals that, are, that, are, that do ADHD, much more limited when you start to get into some of these things, and then more limited when you're trying to get help along some of the stuff. And I know, Elaine, you guys are dedicated to that for helping parents, but it is often really getting somebody who knows these things that has some experience with it that's just not reading in the book. You want to speak to that just for yeah. a second?
1: Yeah, no question that, that, you know, the bottom line of any of this stuff is you need somebody who really understands it, and and for better and worse, um, there aren't that many people who really understand it yet, yep. really what you're saying. Um, I, I can tell you what I'm beginning to see as, you know, for those practitioners who are listening and saying, well, should I, you know, should I be reevaluating for, for autism? Um, the short answer is probably yes. <laughs> but... but <laughs> you know, what I'm seeing is some commonalities. When I, when I get parents who come to me, I can begin to see the signs in the parent that tell me there's something else going on with the kid. Wow. Um, and, and so here's what I saw. I saw that I see that families, the parents had some history of mental health differences in their family dynamic, whether it's the parent or their siblings. Um, they started seeking support for the child at a very early age, Um, They often have multiple providers and typical approach approaches aren't necessarily working. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we're trying it, we're doing what they say and it's just not hitting it. Um, Parents often are feeling on the edge of a breakdown or burnout. Um, Mm -hmm. They're continuing to search because they know something's missing. They tend to be tolerating extremely disrespectful behaviors. This is an interesting one that there's a level of, of, toleration that goes beyond the normal because, because that's what's required to keep the family system moving. Um, and, again, often there's, there's some sleep issue that's interrupting the parent's sleep as well as the parent's sleep. Um, parents can't get re- respite. Often the, the child is obsessively attached to the parent. So while the child may be volatile with the parent, it's also the only person they're willing to be with. Hmm. Um, and the parents have reached a point of setting little or no expectations for the child. And when I talk about this, I'm talking about ex- my experiences with parents somewhere between 8 and, and 18 in this realm. And those okay. are the things, when I see all, uh, several of those factors coming together, that raises my spidey senses that there's a diagnostic issue that may need to be readdressed. Wow. And it's not my, my job to, to diagnose it. But I think one of the reasons that parent training and support is so important is because it helps parents begin to see, to become better reporters to their providers. Mm -hmm. If the parent has somebody like me or Diane or our team saying, you know, this is outside of the realm of typical for ADHD, you might want to get reevaluated. That's information that they wouldn't have otherwise because every parent out there with a complex kid thinks they're the only one that, that nobody else's world is like theirs. Yep. So if I can normalize it for them and say, no, this is within the range of normal, that's one thing. And if I can say, you know, this is outside of the range that you may want to reevaluate, that's essential information yep. for them that they're not going to have if they're not in community with other parents.
0: It's also because I've had a number of people that have come to me where they had diagnosis of ADHD and I was seeing something that wasn't necessarily right. And the ability to say, hey, this exactly. is not there. And then actually help them begin to articulate it to the mental health yes. provider. And I I've never knew exactly. I was coaches one, one time and and literally one time she's like, I I saw pictures of my kids when they were younger in bunk bed in my house. I never recall remembering that at all. Anyway, long and the short of it mm-hmm. is, we scripted this thing, went back to the provider, had diagnosed it, and the guy said, "Oh my God, I missed it! It's an auditory processing issue, not an ADHD issue," which changed the game a little yeah. bit and the whole road on the therapy. So, the the the, the bottom line here is, because I, I, I do need to pull this thing together, is if you if you've got kids in this space or if you're one of them, you know, do the research, learn about it, and try to find somebody who has some experience with regard to this. And earlier, you, you mentioned uh, one of Dr. Brown's books that you liked. Which one was that? I, I want to repeat the title for. Got all
1: of them. So I would say we have a reading carousel on our website that I really encourage people to go to. It's recommended reading. But the book that we're talking about for this is ADHD and Asperger Syndrome in Smart Kids and Adults. And it's it's a little bit more the clinical. The book that he wrote before this that I think is also pretty relevant is Smart But Stuck. And it's mm-hmm. emotions in teens and adults with ADHD. And that is a little bit more, that's written really more for the public. This one's written a little bit more for clinicians. Both of them are are exceptional.
0: Excellent, excellent.
1: So any last comments before we adjourn? Yeah, I think the last comment is is to parents is to know that that you understanding, you don't have to know it all, but, but if you've got a hunch, if you've got a gut feeling there's something going on, trust your instincts and ask for help because Mm. really nobody knows these kids better than you. Nobody's going to see the nuances that you see. And the providers won't know to ask the questions if you don't bring them the information and say, you know, I'm noticing this because you are the best reporter.
0: I want to reiterate that. You are the, you know your child better than everybody else. When you walk into a room with a bunch of people, it's a little bit intimidating, but I, I, time and time again, I've, I've you know you got to you got you to gotta participate in this. Don't just don't let them tell you. You got to give back to have that education. So with that, I thank you so much for sharing that, Elaine. Um, yeah,
1: so pleasure.
0: again, as always, I thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: I enjoyed it as always. Thanks for doing it.
0: Everybody, our our secret word tonight is uh, coincide, and check out Lynn's website, impactparents.com forward slash attention. We hope you've enjoyed uh, our episode today. Catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.